My name is Jessica Owen and I'm part of the team here at WTIN and this is the WTIN podcast. Join me and my guests every other week as we talk about new and interesting innovations from across the textile and apparel industry. Whether it's talking to sustainable startups, quizzing experts on the latest research and development, or chatting to companies about their most recent products, you can rest assured that the WTIN podcast will connect you with everything you need to know. This week, I am joined by Topher Anderson, who is the Manager of Technical Embroidery Application at the ZSK Training and Research Centre. Topher talks about the capabilities and opportunities within technical embroidery, such as smart textiles and composites, how the sector can bolster sustainability, and upcoming developments to look out for, such as improving machinery in line with Industry 4.0. Hello, Topher. It's lovely to finally speak with you. How are you doing? Good morning. Good morning. I'm doing well. How about you? Yes, not too bad. Um, So I understand that you're based in Seattle. How's everything over there? It's going wonderfully. Today we have a nice uh, overcast day out here. It's a a beautiful Seattle morning. Good. And and what about COVID-19? I ask everyone I speak to what the situation's like. So has it improved at all? Yeah, that's a good one. So things out here are starting to open up a little bit more. Um, I've noticed a lot more different uh, sampling work and different things coming through the lab. But I mean, even just getting back out to normal things in the city, is starting to open up again, which feels good. So restaurants are starting to come back and everything else. So it's it's getting back to normal. I'm thinking next couple of months we'll kind of get to a, 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 a normal pace of life for sure. Yeah, yeah, that would be great, wouldn't it? Okay, well, I mean, you're here today then to talk about the ZSK Research and Training Centre, yes. um, <laughs> which is, I think it's the embroidery machine manufacturer sort of side company. Is that right? Yes, so uh, ZSK, ZSK um, is a German uh, embroidery machine manufacturer over in uh, Krefeld, Germany. And what they decided a couple of years back was, you know, everyone's starting to ask questions about tech technical textiles and technical embroidery in specific that um, they wanted to set up a spot out here in the U.S., specifically on the West Coast, that there's somebody that can answer different technical textile problems or different technical embroidery problems. And so we went back and forth and uh, we decided to set up a lab here in Seattle, the ZSK Research and Training Center, where we do that kind of work. Right. Okay. Um, so just to provide some background then, tell me a bit more about ZSK machines. I mean, are they quite, they've been around for quite a while then, unlike the training center. Right. So they've been around for quite a long time. Um, uh, I don't know exactly the year offhand, but it's <laughs> significantly a long time. They started, uh, I remember, actually, I think they started way back as a weaving company, and they transitioned into embroidery machines, and they've made some wonderful equipment, and they're very open to trying new things, which is, I think, the, the key piece to me. They're willing to modify some equipment or make new parts or be able to optimize things for higher efficiencies and have high accuracies, which is what you really need if you're going to stitch smart textiles or you're going to put circuit boards down into pieces. So they're very uh, accommodating in that. And and so before we talk any more about embroidery, actually, I mean, tell me a bit more about yourself then. I think um, when we were off air, you said that you went to ITA Aachen University. It'd be great to know how you sort of fell into this industry. So my uh, my background is windy back and forth, but uh, I, I've liked it very much that way. So I started actually as um, an art major that transitioned into an architecture major that transitioned into an architectural engineering major for undergrad. Um, 
I enjoyed uh, I enjoyed visual, but I also enjoy a lot of the technical behind it. And I think that's been the common search for me is how do you combine something that has an aesthetic property with something that has a functional uh, or engineered property. And so uh, I knew that part was something I was looking for early on, but it was kind of hard to, to, to mold that into a single career piece. So I did a couple other things inside of there. I went over to Germany, like I said, for... Um, to do my master's over there. And uh, I was in uh, the uh, ETA, which is the textile engineering school over there doing um, textiles for uh, MRIs and PET scanners for uh, molecular imaging. And then um, had a blast over there, came back to work on my PhD in textile engineering, uh, took a break to do some um, circuit board and uh, satellite spacecraft work at Lockheed Martin for a while. And then um, after that, went out to Microsoft for a bit to do some work up there in the uh, applied science group. I had a professorship back in Philadelphia full time for a while. And then after that, all of that, I decided, you know what, I want to start to do some more uh, some more teaching, but also in kind of a corporate setting. So that's where ZSK kind of came in. And as soon as I found it, you know, you know, you found the right thing when you're doing it every day and it's not work, it's play. So it's perfect. Yeah, yeah. Well, that really is a long and winding road, but it sounds like it's paid off and it was what you were meant to do by the sounds of it. Absolutely. So let's talk a bit about embroidery then. I mean, I've already admitted to you off air that I'm not an expert and I'm sure some of the listeners aren't either. So do you mind giving a bit of a background lesson in what embroidery is, what it's used for and the machinery that's used to do it these days? Absolutely. So um, this is exciting. I love this one. (laughs) So what we start with is, so for traditional embroidery, you can think of like shirts and caps, that type of thing. And in traditional embroidery, uh, the basic mechanics of it are that you have a, a stitching needle that holds a color or some kind of thread, and then you have a rotary hook underneath it that makes a knot from that. And it's, it's very similar in that regard to sewing in, in the way that the stitches are manufactured for traditional uh, embroidery. Now, the difference with embroidery machines now is you start to have a frame that can be controlled, CNC control frame, which is a robotically controlled frame that lets you start to do things or place things repeatedly. So... It's a step up from hand sewing that you don't have to uh, manually move your fabric in the machine. The machine moves for it. So that's where embroidery stayed for for quite a while, um, is in that visual um, shirts, caps, um, uh, tapestries, that type of thing. Um, There was an interesting project that was worked on uh, about, I would say, 10, 15 years ago, where suddenly uh, uh, an automotive customer came to us and said, you know, we really want to embroider a wire down. And it turns out this would be the wire that would be in car seat heaters. Um, And they were looking at a way to do that because what they do now is um, up at that point in time, they hand glued these down into into the fabrics, which is a very laborious process. So... um, ZSK had looked at that. We went back and forth as a internally as a company, and we made a machine that allows you to automatically embroider a wire down into um, into a piece of fabric. And that's what opened up the doors because suddenly the fabrics became functional, and that opened this real big door of technical embroidery. So technical embroidery now is a, a much bigger picture um, than the traditional embroidery or traditional textiles that were worked on. So for technical embroidery, we do parts in um, smart textiles, which is a big one. And smart textiles is things like stitching circuit boards down, uh, creating different circuits that are very large or interactive textiles. This could be things like, um, this could be like uh, wall hangings, this could be carpet, this could be wearables on the body. 
These could be things that are used in VR. These could be things that are used in sportswear. Just different ways of interacting with cloth or materials or flexible materials to get data out of them and to be able to provide some response. So that's one whole set. Then we have another set, which is in the composites world. Um, so this is a really fun one. This is the one I'm seeing the most interest right now, where we can make parts out of carbon fibers. And carbon fiber is extremely lightweight and extremely strong. And what you can do with that is you can start to make parts for spacecraft or for airplanes. Or right now, a lot of it is looking at cars because as cars become electric and more autonomous, they have to get lighter weight. And one way I can make a lighter part is take a steel part out or aluminum part out and put a fiber part in, which is stronger and much lighter. And that way you save on um, fuel costs um, uh, per, per ride. And so that's one that we're seeing right now. And then, like I said before, too, we have a whole niche of other ones, which I call like wire embroidery or assembly embroidery. Um, I did a um, I, I did a, a company actually with a coworker of mine creating masks for, for COVID. And that was a new way of assembling a transparent mask because we can use stitching to put different materials together in different combinations. So technical embroidery is is this massive field of, of opportunity of different problems that companies want to solve. And sometimes you need a, a flexible material or something a little outside of the box to fit that. Uh, but once you kind of get in that spot, it's it's a really uh, a, a really um, interesting and, and worthwhile field to explore. Mm, yeah, it sounds it. I mean, just going back to the whole smart textile embroidery um, sector, um, where do you start with this then? I mean, do you have to embroider differently at all to, you know, account for these new materials? I mean, it must be quite hard. Yes, there's there's a lot of differences that come up. And um, a lot of that has been made by um, changes in electronics to be um, more um, closed loop systems. Uh, mechanically, the equipment has always been very high, um, high accuracy, which is one of the things they've prided themselves on for many years. And that's you need that accuracy if you're going to start stitching something like a circuit board or something very fine or a highly controlled design down. Um, because if, uh, if I send a needle through the middle of a circuit board, something's going to break there. But if I know where those holes are on that board, I can start to be able to control that in a nice way. Um, it becomes a much more reliable and scalable process there. Um, there's a lot of different things that plug into the machines too. So one of the interesting ones I love is like cameras. So there's different camera alignment systems that can detect holes in different things to be able to modify the embroidery code on the fly to be able to hit certain tolerances. And that's, that's one interesting way of you getting accuracy. Um, there's devices that put sequins down. So if you think of a sequin, like um, uh, like you know, uh, like on a ballerina's dress, on a little kid's dress, you have those little plastic spangles or sequins. Well, a sequin can be a single-sided circuit board. And now we can start to put little electronics, as electronics get smaller and smaller, onto each individual sequin. And if we can already stitch them down extremely quickly and we have high accuracy, well, now we can start putting electronics into these very large textiles for temperature sensors or light sensors or measuring how close somebody is or touch. All of these things now become playable materials in that textile structure. And that opens up so many creative doors for all kinds of opportunity there in technical embroidery. Um, Personally, I've always liked embroidery from the perspective. I, I used to do a little bit of jacquard weaving in undergrad, and there's a couple other techniques, but 
embroidery lets you have complete control over that XY. So there's no warp and weft as there is in a, in a traditional loom. And for knitting too, you have to look at your course and whale structure. For, for embroidery, we're free to move XY and actually even Z a little bit too, which is kind of fun. So you really can start to make circuits as you would design them in a normal circuit board process. Um, and to be able to use that process and that knowledge that you already have allows you to move faster with them. So there's a lot of fun inside of uh, technical embroidery and smart textiles. So being a research and training center then, do you have quite a lot of people coming through your doors looking how to take advantage of embroidery for smart textiles? I mean, what are the sort of things that these students are looking to learn in this area? That's great. So we have, yeah, we have a whole gamut. We have uh, big tech companies coming through. We have small startups. We have a lot of students. We have composite companies, automotive. Um, it's interesting because it's always different. Every day is a, a totally different set of people coming through and different technical problems, which I enjoy a lot. But um, from that perspective, usually like uh, the process will be somebody comes with a problem that they've, they've seen that they want to know, is it possible to solve with embroidery? And some of these are pretty abstract problems. Um, um, how do I hold two metal parts together uh, reliably? Or how do I add more reinforcement between two layers of plastic? Or um, how do I put two weird materials like aluminum and mylar together into a single material? Um, a lot of these come through and we'll start to look at out of the lab. Are there processes that we can do to do this in a fully, um, in, a, in, a, in a high reliability way? And then the second one is because embroidery scales so well, because people have been scaling embroidery for 50 years now, um, we can start to use those efficiencies that are gained in that scaling manufacturing to be able to take one of these prototype samples and then scale it out very quickly. Um, and that can be a very cost effective way to solve interesting problems. Mm. Well, that was actually going to be one of my questions is that a lot of people in the smart textile industry say that their biggest challenge is being able to scale up all of these things. So you're saying that actually maybe turn to embroidery, like it, it might be the solution for you. So embroidery, I think from, again, from, from my, my, uh, my experience, my opinion of working with it is, is a scaling first technology because anything that you make on a small machine is immediately transferable to a large machine. They're designed modularly. And so if I can make, I don't know, one part every 20 minutes on a small single head machine, well, on a 50 head machine, you just multiply that out by 50 and that's how many parts you get. And so because it starts with the manufacturing first, that's where you can start to craft your solution around the technology instead of coming up with a prototype. So one of the things that we did at Microsoft a lot is you'd come up with a new prototype and that would be really exciting and interesting and it would be uh, pushing the balance on a lot of different things. But then you would try to have a prototype that maybe has 50 wires that have to be saw, uh, hand soldered. And you would try to find a, a company somewhere on earth that would uh, hand solder 50 wires into a small textile. Everyone passes on it. doesn't matter what the company is. Everyone says, no, we're not doing that. It's too tedious, too much risk, blah, blah. And so if you look at embroidery first and you design around the manufacturing technology, then you can say, well, you know, I can't really solder, but... I can do a conductive thread into a circuit board automatically, and I can have that circuit board placed onto the machine automatically. So actually, you know, I don't even need to solder. I can just do conductive stitching into the board and conductive stitching out to my parts. And now suddenly, instead of having that solder step, it's a fully automated step, and that drops price immediately. And then suddenly you, you show a manufacturer this, and they say, yeah, I'll do that. That's a piece of cake. It's just like a normal applique technique, uh, and you get a much better uh, a turn there. So... 
I think in that regard, being able to use some of the perks of the technology from the scaling side first, help with the uh, design iterations, help with uh, growing the concept and help also integrating things together, different technologies and different parts. Well, I mean, like you say, it sounds like there's so many possibilities. Um, are there any limitations at all? Is there anything you can't do? <laughs> so, um, I mean, I've done embroidery on different materials. I, I don't even say fabric anymore because it's actually only about half of it is fabric. But fabrics, plastics, aluminums. Um, I had a customer come through and want to embroider cheese for his project. So we put cheese down and embroidered that. Uh, gelatin for, fiber, um, for um, biomedical. We've done fiber optic embroidery, so it's not uh, it's not even what you think from a textile perspective anymore. You can start to embroider things into thin balsa wood, or um, even some projects embroidering into metal that has some holes already set that we can start to stitch through. Um, all kinds of opportunity there. So it's it's so open that it's hard to kind of constrain what is possible, what isn't. Um, different threads, different wires, carbon fiber, like I said, um, fiberglass, basalt fibers. Um, I would say, in general, you want to keep the embroidery uh, pretty uh, pretty flat. So you're going to go at a maximum of one centimeter, really, above the embroidered table. But as long as you stick within that embroidered one centimeter height, and I don't know how big your part is, maybe it's a meter, maybe it's two meters by two meters, whatever that size is, then you're totally in that range of maybe it works, and then we can try it and, and see what happens. Okay, right. Good advice then. Um, so, so being in this area, you guys must stay on top of all of the latest developments in technical embroidery. So have there been any innovations as wacky as they may be that have caught your eye recently? Mm, that's a great one. Um, I think the two that are really interesting to me are um, bead embroidery which is a whole new way of putting beads down. So if you think of a tiny little glass bead um, they've been woven into different fabrics for a while. They've been hand placed. They've been glued. There's a lot of techniques that have done it, but, um, putting them down with an embroidery machine seems particularly interesting to me because, uh, you can also look at a bead as a carrier for electronics as well. So suddenly maybe there, there's, there's RFID beads I could be making. There are LED or light up beads. Beads allow for a different form factor and they also allow for a different visualization, uh, that I think might be an extremely exciting way of integrating new um, properties into different textiles, specifically smart textiles. So I'm extremely excited to see how that one goes because that, that's really just come out. Um, there's another uh, piece that just came out looking at um, putting, uh, putting different circuit boards down with the machine automatically, which is an extremely exciting one. And that's a way that we can start to integrate fully fully closed loop manufacturing to be able to integrate soft textiles and hard textiles into one. And so hard textiles have the benefit that you can mount components to them. So M processors you can put down, uh, you can put your resistors, your caps, all of your sensors and supporting electronics. They all have been designed to mount nicely to hard uh, pieces or FR4 or rigid boards. Um, but rigid boards, if I'm going to make a big thing, are, are quite expensive. So you can imagine if I'm going to cover a wall in rigid circuit boards, that's going to be tens of thousands of dollars, especially if you want it one single piece. But if I'm going to cover a wall with 
a fabric that has sensors in that. Well, that's a very uh, a very affordable proposition then, because all of the electronics can be mounted to those little tiny hardboards, and then the fabric itself can be that carrier with all of the conductive thread and wiring in it to be able to pull those circuit boards apart so that you have a bigger distance. And suddenly your cost is, is much, much better there, and you have more capability because the fabric can move. So think of like... Um, Think of like window curtains. You could have window curtains now that can detect how much sun is being hit on them and can automatically adjust them to open pores inside of them to let more light through if it's cold or to close up so that more light gets blocked. And I think in that regard, there's architectural applications. So um, I think being able to place circuit boards down automatically fuses a few of these different technologies so we can start to look at the connection between soft and rigid. So are these sort of innovations that you've mentioned today then, are any of these commercial or is this all still in the R&D phase at the moment? That's interesting. I think actually all of those that I mentioned are either commercial or quickly becoming commercial. <laughs> I'll put it that way. Um, there is some there is some really interesting movement here, and especially in smart textiles right now, it's, it's an emerging field. A lot of the technical textiles uh, are really emerging the past five to 10 years. You're starting to see interest worldwide in, in all different industries from automotive to manufacturing to um, electronics production to wearables. And so there's a huge surge here of different technologies that are coming in, ideas that are coming in, and a lot of energy around that emerging market. It's kind of where 3D printing was, I would say, about eight years ago. And you can kind of feel how that's starting to go. And people are trying to figure out how to integrate these uh, these technologies in. So I think there's um, a lot happening in that commercial space very, very quickly to try to get some of these technologies out so people can start trying around with them and exploring how they fit their own, uh, their own uh, ecosystem. Mm, yeah. Well, sort of leading on from that then, I mean, what are the main business opportunities and areas for growth in the embroidery sector? I mean, is there any capability that is sort of less known by companies and brands that they, you know, could take advantage of and actually it'll give them some sort of competitive advantage? Hmm, yes. So uh, I would say the big one right at this exact moment is in the composite space. Um, there is a lot going on and a lot of interest in very big industrial equipment to make these composite parts because um, I can make extremely strong and extremely stiff and extremely lightweight parts very quickly. And I think that's really a game changer when you're looking at fuel efficiencies and a couple other uh, pieces of uh, gre uh, greenifying or making the, um, the economy more sustainable. And so um, one of the big ones I've had recently is commingled composites. So they, there's companies out there that take carbon fiber and they open the fibers up and they put these really cool thermoplastic fibers inside of them. They could be like nylon fibers. They could be polycarbonate. There's a whole bunch of materials that they can insert inside of these carbon fibers and they close the fiber toe back up. So when you feel it in your hands, it feels like a cord. It feels like a fiber. It's very, it's, it's not a plastic at all. It's not rigid. It's very soft. Um, it's easy to work with. It's easy to run in the machines. And then what we can do is we can put those down in patterns that are exactly the correct mechanical alignment so that the fibers create their strongest, um, uh, their strongest properties in the direction that they need to be strong. 
And what happens after that is we take these things off the machine. They're still soft at this point. They feel like um, they feel kind of like patches almost. They can be as as big as a, as small as a cell phone, all the way up to surfboard size. And what you do then is you can put them in an aluminum uh, hot press mold, and you hot press them, and suddenly all of those plastic fibers fuse inside. And when they fuse, they create this really rigid piece because that's the matrix material for the composite. And the fun part of this is the fusing happens in 20, 30 seconds. So you can hot press one, two, three, and a new part comes out. And that allows high sustainability, uh, high throughput for those uh, pieces. So there's a huge amount of interest in how do we use this for everything from sports equipment to uh, automotive to spacecraft and and even beyond that, because you have some uh, the ability to fix damage in there. If you crack them, well, you can hot press them again and they kind of fuse back as well. So lots of fun inside of that that space. That, that's the one I see right at this exact moment is exploding in growth. Yeah, that's so interesting. I mean, you said at the very beginning how far embroidery has come from just your shirts and caps, but it, I mean, you're coming up with things I would never have considered. It does sound so interesting. It's, it's a joy. I mean, I think a lot of people kind of, they'll see something, maybe at a trade show or some pictures online and they'll come to the lab here in Seattle to visit. And then I have different samples and other stuff. And then I can really show like what the equipment is capable of. And people, I mean, there's, there's, it's, it's, it's not even embroidery anymore. It's, it's, it's additive textile manufacturing. It's a totally different field almost because you're working with weird materials. You're working with strange concepts. You're working with interesting technical challenges um, from mechanics to electrical to fusing different materials. And I think that opens the doors to all the different possibilities that we can do uh, both commercially and then also for just fun hobbyist projects. Mm, yeah, definitely. I mean, let's talk about the equipment then, actually, because we've we've talked a lot about the different application areas and how they're expanding. But what about the machines themselves? Are they are they quite traditional still, or are they following this industry four point trend and becoming more digital? Great, great question. So um, the machines, I mean, they're still, uh, ZSK still makes some of the high-end uh, traditional embroidery machines for high-end linens, um, bedwear, that kind of thing. And they have a very good selection of those. But um, they also make these technical machines, which allow a whole bunch of different materials to be used. So we have, in embroidery, we have three different types of embroidery. We have F-head embroidery, which is what we think of when we think of traditional embroidery machines. That is, um, in general, um, like caps, shirts, uh, fine linens. F-head is what we've modified to do circuit board stitching. We've modified to do uh, electronic sequins. We've modified to do a lot of these different electronics. So that's kind of the most versatile one that people know when they see embroidery. Um, the next head over we have is called K-head embroidery, which is chenille embroidery or moss stitching. Um, this was very popular, you know, that uh, 60s, 70s style varsity jackets where you get the fluffy loops on the back and you get chain stitching around it. It's a very, um, it's a visual style that we don't see quite as much anymore. It's starting to come back a little because it's in rotation, but um, it allows for very loopy structures and the loops are interesting from electrical properties because suddenly I can make things like textile electrodes to read heart rate or to read muscle signals or even to read uh, or even to like stimulate different muscles. There's, there's a lot of different plays in that chenille embroidery piece, especially since it's one thread. There's no, there's no bobbin. There's no rotary hook. It's a single thread that loops through the fabric. 
And so that opens some doors. And then there's another final one, which is the newest embroidery head called W head embroidery, which you can think of as wire embroidery. But that's where we can run a thick material or a stiff material. We can run a 3D printer filament through it. We can run um, carbon fiber or glass fiber. We can run fine wire, 63 micron stainless steel wire, all the way up to ethernet cord. And that one allows us to put strange materials down into the fabric, regardless of how thin they are, how thick they are, what your uh, tension is on them. And that lets us fuse different things together. And that's kind of, I, I think of that kind of as the, um, really the additive machine head. You, you put materials and in interesting patterns together to do technical things. So the equipment now has shifted from just that F head style from the very beginning that was like shirts and caps to these combination machines that let you take one technique and go over it with another. So I can run a wire and run it down through the entire piece. Maybe it's a heating wire to be able to warm up a jacket or something. And then I can stitch that over that wire with some conductive thread and then automatically connect that to a, a circuit board. And now I have no soldering in there. I have all the connections done. And that way the piece comes off the embroidery machine as a single finished piece ready for whatever the next process is. And sometimes it's ready to go right there. So the equipment has kind of shifted to these um, to these technical machines, we call them, that allow more capability. They allow different things to be plugged into them. They allow a high amount of adaptive, uh, adaptability for whatever your technical process is or your, your technical challenge. And are these all run by like software then? I mean, can you design everything on the computer like you can do with like knitting machines and then it just does it for you? Yes, yes. So we use, uh, uh, ZSK makes its own software to be able to do this because that way you have complete control over every attachment and ev every single piece of the machines in a very controllable way. And that way, if there's a new, a new uh, attachment or a new uh, hot air cutter or something that comes out for the machine, immediately that gets plugged into the software and it's it's ready with the next patch update. Um so they have a software. Usually for, for what how we run different samples, it's usually somebody brings by a DXF drawing, like a line drawing or an Adobe Illustrator drawing or some kind of vector drawing. And that plugs in natively to the software. And we can either just trace over that or fill that in and use that as our guide to be able to create the, the machine code that runs out. It's a very straightforward uh, uh, process in that regard. It's, it's also a lot faster. If, if you've done knitting, I mean, knitting, you know, like especially 3D knitting, you can you can make designs that take days, if not weeks, to be able to make a good design and have it run. And it's a very, very um, in-depth process. It's a very beautiful process, but you really have to know what you're doing to be able to make um, 3D knit knitwear. Whereas embroidery is a lot faster to get prototypes off. It's usually just a couple of hours from concept to trying it on the machine. And then on the machines, we don't really have to spend much time configuring. It's maybe 10 minutes to run a wire part and then switch over to a carbon fiber part. So that allows a lot of... Uh, uh, reconfigurability and testing to be done or different scientific tests. If you're trying to test which material you want to use or how stiff something is, it's, it's a very good way to cycle through many, many rapid iterations quickly so that you can arrive at a, a, a good solution for your project. Mm, right. Interesting. And, and what about sustainability then? Are embroidery machines quite sustainable or is there something else that needs to improve? Because obviously this is such a hot topic at the moment, isn't it? I love that question. That's, I think that's an extremely important one. That's probably my favorite question. Yes. So I think uh, in general, as, as any textile manufacturer, we have to be much more conscious of sustainability, especially as we start to green the economy and, and look at production, how things are shipped. I think sustainability is an extremely complex question too. So 
part of the question is like, I mean, shipping adds a lot of different weight. And whenever you ship something, that makes something less green the longer you ship it. Uh, materials, where you're getting those materials from and how much they're getting shipped. And how uh, there's so many different um, uh, considerations that go into that. But in general, I would say embroidery is a fairly uh, sustainable process because it falls into the range of finishing processes, textile finishing processes. And because of that, you're really only putting thread and, and material exactly where you need it. And that helps with um, with making sure that you're creating the design and not making too much extra. Um, sustainability is one of the bigger pieces that we're using right now in carbon fiber embroidery. So if you think of, uh, if you think of, let's think of glass fiber, glass fiber is a relatively cost effective fiber. It's, I don't know exactly offhand, but I would say around $2, two euros, uh, a pound, a kilogram, somewhere inside of there. Um, if you go to carbon fiber, well, certain carbon fibers can be $150 more per, per pound or kilogram. And so you can't waste them at all. And so sustainability has an economic uh, impetus there to be able to say, how do I put this carbon down exactly in the pattern that I need so I don't have any waste because the waste is expensive? And embroidery does that beautifully because if I'm doing a, a, let's just say a weaving process, well, I have to have a warp of carbon. I have to have a weft of carbon. If anything goes wrong in there, I have to reset the entire warp beam. There's a lot of different waste that happens inside of that process. And it takes time to embroider that. And if anything goes wrong, that also uh, allows, uh, sets a large amount of uh, time to fix it and get the machine back up and running. With embroidery, we don't have a warp, we don't have a weft. So we can embroider on sustainable plastics. We can embroider on, um, I've done a couple embroidery on PET sheets, which are made from recycled soda bottles. Um, but that way we're only putting that fiber, whatever the fiber is, exactly in the patterns and direction that we need. So there is, there's no waste in that part. And I think that's one way that we're looking at sustainability in the embroidery industry of how do I put color down? How do I put material down so that I'm not wasting a lot of extra fabric? I'm not wasting a lot of extra precious material. And how do I put those together into a product that we can start getting out um, locally too. So there's a lot of uh, textile manufacturing, especially in these technical textiles that is definitely happening in the U.S. right now. Um, people are seeing a need to be able to do it. They don't want long shipping times from overseas. They don't want to be able to worry about tariffs. They want to be able to have a product and somebody that they can go visit, see their manufacturing for their technical textile being made in person, and then have control over quick design changes, be able to understand that everyone in the factory can communicate with them and they can point out different things and then have it shipped down the street and it's ready to go for the next process and then have it get sold online immediately next. And it's a one, two, three process locally, which I think is a very nice um, nice piece from the uh, sustainability of shipping of textiles. Yeah. I mean, it's so interesting, isn't it? How every area in the textile industry has its own ways it can make an impact. And with embroidery, it just sounds like efficiency and cutting waste are the two main things that you guys could be known for. So the, there's another one that I'm, I keep pulling up in my mind. I'm trying to see, I mean, just as a, as a pitch, but we have this thing of smart textiles right now that is emerging. And we know that there's no standards on it yet, unlike traditional circuit boards. Those are all standardized. There's different pieces. So smart textiles are still in this ambiguous state of how do we make them? What is standard? What materials do we use? 
interesting to me would be if we, as, as a society, could come together and say, you know, we're kind of fusing two of the more unsustainable pieces here. We're fusing electronics manufacturing, which is relatively unsustainable, and textiles manufacturing, which is also pretty unsustainable. How, if we're starting to fuse these at a new point, can we do better for this? And I keep trying to go through things like putting, I don't know, putting either like an RFID uh, sequin or a tag inside of the pieces that goes to a like a government database so that you can see all of the materials that were used in that in that construction whether it's a shirt or a towel or whatnot and that way we can start to do textile recycling so you could send these into a textile recycling spot and they can just scan it and say oh this is a hundred percent pet but there is a circuit board on here that has silver so we're going to take the circuit board out because it has x value and we'll recycle the towel and then the next one comes through and there's another little rfid token or some kind of serial token inside of that and it allows these these textiles, these technical textiles or smart textiles to be linked to this database so that you know what's recyclable, what's reusable, and then also you can see value propositions so that somebody's more likely to see that, wow, this one has 35 cents of silver thread in it. Um, that silver is worth 35 cents for me to reclaim. I'm going to definitely reclaim this piece. Or maybe it comes down to saying like, you know, this textile is a mixed material textile, has a lot of organic, has a lot of synthetic material. Uh, this doesn't look reasonable for us to melt down, but we can shred this and turn this into insulation. So I think technical embroidery and a lot of the other technical processes right now would be a way of adding that information into the textile quietly and gently so that people don't know it. But when you get to that recycling step, now suddenly we, we take these two very unsustainable industries and create this new industry that people can recycle those goods. People can reuse those. Um, people can start to see that there is value in reclaiming it because it's been uh, pre-sorted and pre-serialized. Uh, so that's that's my, my hope for the future is that uh, embroidery can be part of that process as well as other technical textile processes to be able to look at how do we create a better system for the next generation of um, textile users. Now, Tofa, unfortunately, we are running out of time. But before I let you go, what plans does ZSK and the Research and Training Centre have for the rest of this year and, and perhaps next year? Mm, so the rest of this year, we're looking uh, we're looking pretty heavily at a couple of different techniques and developing some new techniques so that we can start to look at other additive manufacturing processes. Um, we're looking at some new types of wire embroidery, being able to uh, twist some wires on the machines, which is exciting because that allows you to do custom wire production on the machine. We're looking at some uh, interesting thermal shaping applications, um, a lot in the camera space to be able to do different camera um, uh, camera sensitivity. Uh, one of the big ones too is looking at data off the machines. So as we go to this industry 4.0 and everything becomes digitalized, um, we start to look at that in machines too. So we start to be able to network all of the machines into a network. And that way you can watch your entire production floor and watch every single head on every single machine at once and start to look that maybe this needle over here is slightly not sharp. We have to replace this needle or maybe this uh, this thread over here might not be the correct thread because we're getting more thread breaks. Let's, let's go change that thread. And that allows you to digitally watch everything that's happening and have a higher work through flow also allowing you to be able to see different efficiencies on the machine, which further reduces cost and further uh, helps with uh, quality as well. So there's a lot of push towards that and having user interfaces. Um, and I think the, the last one that I'm really looking at is how to be able to create online courses to be able to teach some of this. Because as you mentioned, uh, 
ITA out in Germany is a fantastic school to learn uh, about textiles. But in the U.S., there's there's pretty much two schools left that do it, North Carolina and Jefferson. And so how do we start to teach some of these corporate partners who might not be able to go out to those schools about technical textiles and what solutions they can pro- uh, provide and how they can help save costs in different uh, different industry segments. So I'm looking at different teaching tools and methods to be able to do that, including online courses and whatnot. So I'd say those are, are my kind of focuses for the next year. And onward from that, it's always what kind of uh, technical problems do people come up with that uh, we can try to figure out new solutions for it and how can we make that fit in their uh, in their workflow. Well, it sounds like you're going to be very busy, definitely. <laughs> Some that's going to be fun. Though. Yeah. Well, I mean, as I said, Tofa, that's all we have time for today, unfortunately. But thank you so much for joining me on the podcast today. It's been great to learn more about embroidery and all the work that you're doing at ZSK. So thank you. Thank you for having me, Jessica. It's absolutely wonderful to chat with you. 